11, Acts chapter 11, and uh, that was a wonderful, beautiful special for the offertory this morning, and I hope it uh, was a blessing to your heart. Acts chapter number 11, and uh, we're actually going to go through our final message of this series through I can, I can, uh, one of the great two words of the Christian uh, experience is the fact that we can, that God has enabled us to live a different kind of life, a life of victory, a life that pleases Him, a life that brings Him the most glory and honor. And uh, what a privilege and what a, uh, what a wonderful blessing to be able to know today that the decisions that we make and what we do with our life can bring ultimate glory to God. You see, this life is not all about us, but it's all about Him. And just like we sang earlier in the service this morning, all I have is Christ. And Christ should be our all in all, the Bible says. Uh, So this series is all about what we can do, not in ourselves. Uh, The world sometimes has what they call positive thinking, right? And, And making sure that you stay positive. And if you just think you can, then you can. But the reality of the fact of the matter is that we can't do it on our own, but we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. And so it's important to to see, and as we've been learning through this series, there's so much that we can do, but only through Christ can we do it. And uh, we've been going through different areas of the Christian life that God's Spirit has enabled us to do, whether it's pray, whether it's build, uh, whether it's uh, just being uh, an encouragement, as we're going to learn this morning. Uh, All these things can be done through the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's so important for us to know as Christians what it is that we can do and what God has enabled us to do. So in Acts chapter number 11 this morning, uh, we're going to be learning and growing together on, uh, on God, through God's Word about what it means to be an encourager and understanding that God has enabled us to be an encouragement and an encourager to others. Uh, Acts chapter number 11, and we're going to go through verses 22 down to verse number 26, all right? Acts 11, 22 to 26. It said, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go, for, go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the church. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. As we study God's word this morning, let's pray and ask God to to give us illumination, to give us His Spirit this morning, to empower and enable us to understand some truths from God's Word as how we can be an encourager uh, in our life. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for allowing us to be in Your house once again today. Thank You, Father, for the wonderful blessing that we have to have Your Word. But not just have the truth of Your Word, You've allowed us, Father, to be enabled to live out the truth of your word. And may we never forget that. May we never forget that your commandments are our enablements. And that you've not only asked us to live a life that is different, 
but you've given us the power to live differently. And so now, Father, as we study the life of Barnabas, as we study this passage, may we be illuminated by your Spirit, fill me with your Spirit, that we might be able to grow together in your Word, and and that, Father, we might be challenged by the truth of your Word and, and leave here differently than how we came in this morning. Speak to us by your Spirit, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, every person in life, at one point or another, has needed encouragement. If you think back in your life through the experiences that you had up to this point, you'll know that at some point in your life, you needed some encouragement from someone. You see, encouragement is that rare quality that can compel a person to keep moving forward to endure trials and tribulations all the way to the end and to accomplish their task that they've been called to do. Encouragement does that. In fact, William Arthur Ward said this. He said on the topic of encouragement, he said, Flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. But encourage me, and I will not forget you. Encouragement is something that is so important in the life of a person because it can literally transform what you do. It can be the difference between seeing something accomplished and seeing something fail. In fact, uh, there's a man by the name of William Wilberforce who was really the main lawyer uh, that was pushing abolition in England in the 17 and 1800s. In fact, he was a, a man that because of his efforts there in the Parliament of England eventually won the fact that Uh, Slaves were no longer going to be slaves, bought and sold there in England. He was a man that was greatly used uh, by God to bring freedom to many people. But there was a time in that, uh, in his life during the trials and during what he was going through, uh, through the legal system of trying to accomplish this task, where he would get very discouraged. In fact, the story is told that at one point after a 10-year battle, uh, so far it took more than just 10 years, but at the 10-year mark, as he went to court and and began to argue his point, that he failed, that uh, the ruling came back and they was not in his favor, and being very discouraged from the fact that he had not won the case, that he had not brought freedom to the slaves there in England, uh, he began to wonder if he was able, uh, ever able uh, to really accomplish that task. He was wondering if he was able, uh, ever going to be able to really bring freedom to the slaves. And in that time of discouragement, he went to his Bible and he began to leaf through his Bible. And as he was just looking through his Bible, there was a, a note that was there that fell out. And, and he noticed it and he picked it up and, and he saw that it was a letter from the evangelist John Wesley a letter that John Wesley had written to him right before he had died. And the letter said this. It says, Unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. He said, Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of His might. Upon reading that, William Wilberforce later stated that 
That letter renewed his resolve, his focus to do the task of freeing the slaves in England. And in 1833, three days before William Wilberforce died, freedom came to the slaves in England. All because there was a letter by one man that was written to him saying, listen, just go forward in the power of God. You can do this. It is a great task. It's something that uh, for you alone would be impossible, but the divine power of God is behind you. Don't quit. Just that note of encouragement helped William Wilberforce to do something that others thought were, was impossible for him to accomplish. And if we think about our lives, there will come a point, whether it's already come in your life or not, there will come a point where you're going to need that same kind of encouragement. God has called each and, uh, each and every one of us to do something great, to do something for Him that without Him it would be impossible for us to do. And the encouragement that you receive or the encouragement that you are to someone else will either make that task something possible or something impossible. Now, in the book of Acts, this, this book, it's a, it's a different kind of book. It's a book of, of transition, many would say. It's a book in which Luke, the same one that wrote the Gospel of Luke, the same author, Luke took this time and began to write about the history of the church, how the church started and how it began to grow in that first century. So when you read the book of Acts, you'll, you'll find that from the very beginning, it starts when Jesus uh, went back to heaven. And from there starts how the Holy Spirit uh, became uh, or came in to indwell the, those believers of the first century church and, and those on after it. And it tells the story of how the church began to grow. Now, here in chapter 11, the chapter we're going to be studying this morning, uh, it begins to tell of how the gospel went from Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem there in Israel, and began to spread beyond the city of Jerusalem. It literally began to spread to other places of the world. And one of the cities that it went to was the city of Antioch. The city of Antioch was not a city that was uh, really controlled uh, by the Jewish people. This was now what we would call the Gentiles, people that were not Jews, people that, uh, that uh, would know very little about Jesus at that time. And we find that this uh, Gentile world of which you and I are a part of, the gospel came to that world and the gospel began to work in the hearts of people. And those in Jerusalem were, were a little bit really surprised about it. They thought that this message was going to be something that was only for the Jews. But as we later and as they later learned and as Paul stated that salvation is for everyone. The Jew, the Greek, the, the barbarian, it's for everybody. It doesn't matter what your race or ethnicity is. It really doesn't matter what your nationality is. But salvation is for everyone. And so as that message began to get out. They, they hear of what's happening in Antioch and, and they decide they're going to send someone down to see what it is that they're preaching and see if the gospel that is being preached in Antioch is the same one that was being preached in Jerusalem. And they send this guy by the name of Barnabas. In fact, in chapter 4 of Acts, you, you meet Barnabas for the first time. You find that his name is actually Joseph, all right? But then they nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of consolation. In other words, Barnabas' name, his nickname, what they called him, reflected a kind of what kind of person he was. A son of consolation means he was, he was a, a, a man that was an encourager, someone that encouraged other people. And 
I can dare say if you read the book of Acts, the fact that we have the gospel in the Gentile world the way that we do, much of that can be attributed to the ministry of Barnabas. The, the ministry that he had of just being an encouragement, an encourager to other people. In fact, it was because of Barnabas, and you'll real study that in a little bit, because of Barnabas, the, uh, the, the church was introduced to a man by the name of Saul, who we know today as Paul. Paul, who really changed the whole Gentile world with his ministry, planting churches all over different places and giving the gospel to everyone that he got connected with, all because of one man by the name of Barnabas, who decided that he was going to be an encourager for the Lord. Now, the question this morning is, can I be an encourager, or is that something that only Barnabas could do? I mean, Barnabas, that that might have been just his personality. Maybe that's just how he was. He was a people person. Maybe he had a a lot of positivity in his life. Is it something about being an encourager that just is innate? Is it something that you can learn? Or is it just something that you're born with? Well, this morning, I want to say that I believe that being an uh, an encourager is something not that you're born with, but something that you can become. And I believe that the Holy Spirit working in your life will enable you or help you to be an encourager. Even if you're not a people person, even if you're not good at public speaking, or even if you're not good with words or relationships. And I say that being an encourager is something that God has enabled you and I to do. Just like he did for Barnabas, he'll do the same for you and me. But how does that happen? Well, I believe here in this passage, we can learn a lot about how to become an encourager. I want you to notice, first of all, in your notes this morning, that if you're going to be an encourager, uh, an encourager, first of all, you must do the work of an encourager. You'll notice that in verse uh, number 23, it says, who when he came, that's Barnabas, and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. It's interesting that Luke, upon telling what's happening, telling the story of how uh, the Gentiles were receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he notes about Barnabas that, that Barnabas was this man that was an encourager. And you'll notice that it says that when the church of Jerusalem had to send someone, they sent Barnabas. They sent Barnabas, this encourager, this man known as the son of consolation, this man that was known to strengthen and encourage people, that they sent him. And one of the first principles that you'll find about being an encourager is that an encourager always goes to where the need is. I I have a feeling, and I believe that Barnabas was not a man that that had to be persuaded to go. He didn't have to be a, a man that was convinced to go by someone else. No one had to talk him into going down to Antioch. I believe that uh, when the church in Jerusalem began to hear about what was happening, they were thinking, well, who would be willing to go? Who's the man for this job? Who who can go down there and do it? And, And Barnabas was the first one that came to their mind. I imagine that when they told Barnabas, hey, there's some things happened there in Antioch. Would you be willing uh, to go? I believe that Barnabas said, absolutely. Yeah, you can you hey, sign me up. I'll go down there. You see, an encouragement is someone that always goes down to where the need is. He's always looking for who he can help and what he can do uh, to encourage others. Barnabas was this kind of person. He was looking to go to that need. 
You know, people of encouragement always love to do the work of going and meeting needs. You'll notice if there's any, been anyone in your life that has come on by to encourage you, whether it be a parent or maybe a teacher or maybe a friend or a coworker, you'll find that usually it's not a result of you asking them to come and help you. Usually it's because they saw something in you. Maybe they saw that uh, you were getting discouraged and they came by and just said, hey, listen, you can do it. Maybe you were, uh, as a teacher in, in grade school or in high school, you were struggling with your grades and a, and a teacher came by and said, listen, you can do it. You can do it. I'm going to help you out. Maybe a friend saw that you were struggling in an area and said, hey, let's, let's go and practice together. Let's get better together. Anytime there's been an encourager in your life, you'll find that that encourager always comes to meet the need. It's not always invited formally, not always said, would you come and help me? But one that always sees that need and goes and, and, and becomes a help to someone. An encourager always does that. So this morning, if you're going to be, become an encourager, if you're going to be one that's going to help someone, then let me say you must be willing to go where others are, where the need is at. Man, I don't think there's a, a greater example of that than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was focused on what the need was, and he wasn't going to wait for us to try to become perfect because that would be impossible. Instead, he came to us to meet our need. It's important for you and I to understand as an encourager, we need to go and meet the needs where they are. But I want you to notice an encourager not only goes to where the need is, but an encourager rejoices in the success of others. Barnabas, upon seeing what was going on, upon seeing the grace of God working at the church in Antioch, he was glad for them. He was not jealous of them. He wasn't thinking, man, is this church going to be bigger than our church back home? Are they doing more ministry than we are? He wasn't trying to judge that church. Well, well, they don't have it like we do. They don't do the things uh, the way we do it back in Jerusalem. He was not looking to judge the church, but he was looking to rejoice with the church. You know, an encourager is someone that can always rejoice in the success of others. Not looking to compete with one another. In fact, Paul says comparing themselves among themselves, they are not wise. It's not a wise thing to do. An encourager is not always looking to see how he can compete with other people. But an encourager always is looking to rejoice in the success of others. You see, an encourager must be able and ready to rejoice with others as God works in their life. As they begin to see what the grace of God is doing in the lives of others, they, they're not filled with jealousy, they're not filled with envy, but rather they're just... Glad, they're happy, they, they rejoice in the successes of others. That's one of the truths that we see in Luke 15, there in your notes. On the story of the prodigal son, you remember what happened when this prodigal son came back? At first, he wanted all of his inheritance, and his father gives it to him, and he goes to a far country, and he wastes all of his inheritance, all of his wealth. He just wastes it on, on righteous, uh, righteous living, the Bible says. In other words, uh, not living right, not doing, uh, being wise with the money that he had. He just sort of lived however he wanted. And before long, he finds himself in a pig slob eating pig food. 
and he remembers and he says, listen, you know, you know what? The servants at my dad's house, they live a whole lot better than I do. They're not eating pig food. They're, they're doing much better than I am. I'm going to go back and ask for forgiveness. And he goes back and the father forgives him, but he has an older brother. And if you remember, the older brother was not happy that when he got back that his father forgave him, that his father killed a fatted calf and had a celebration for him. And it's interesting what the father tells, tells his older son. He says, it was meat, verse 32, that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. That word glad there is the same exact word used here in Acts 11. 24 where it's, or 23, where it says that Barnabas was glad. He was rejoicing. He was excited about what was going on. You know, an encourager always rejoices in what God is doing in the lives of others. And if you're going to become an encourager in your life, listen, you can't waste your time being jealous and competing with other people and trying to compare yourself spiritually with everyone. That's not what God does, and that's not how God works. God wants that you and I rejoice with others that God's working in their life. You should be happy. Listen, if, if you're a Sunday school teacher and, and there's another Sunday school teacher here and he's got a bigger class than you, hey, be happy that he's doing great, that God is blessing their class. Be an encourager, uh, an encouragement and an encourager to that teacher. Don't try to compete with them. Oh, they, they always have the best classes. They always give them the best uh, material and curriculum. That, that, that's not helpful at all. God says you ought to encourage one another. You ought to rejoice when somebody in our church gets a new house or a new car. Rejoice with them. God's given that to them. God's provided that for them. An encourager looks at what God is doing and says, man, praise God God's doing that. It's awesome to see it. An encourager rejoices with what God is doing in others' lives, with the success that God has brought them. Barnabas was one that was doing the work of an encourager. He was one that was glad to see the, the success of others. He was one that was going uh, to where the need was at. But I want you to notice, thirdly, that the work of an encourager always challenges the status quo. You'll find that Barnabas was one that was going to challenge them. He wasn't going to just let them stay comfortable. And sometimes in, in life, you can get to a place where you can just sort of get comfortable. Even in church, even in the Christian life, you can get to a point where it's just all routine. You know what I mean? Where just coming to church is routine and going to Sunday school is routine and reading my Bible is routine. And it's nothing really fresh. It's nothing really real. It's nothing that, that brings to you uh, this excitement or this joy. It's kind of just uh, there. And sometimes you can think about times in your life where you were real excited about reading and learning but if you're not careful, you can come to a point in your life, especially when you've been a Christian for five, six years, ten years, where you feel like, I know it all. Oh, I've heard that preaching. Oh, I, I know about that. And what happens is you cease to become an encourager to others. You, you, you cease to be challenged in your life. And Barnabas here, seeing what God was doing, not only was he happy and excited for what God was doing there in the church of Antioch, but he began to challenge them. You'll, you'll notice that he began to, to challenge them to continue doing great works for God. You see, 
The word exhort means to call to one side. And Barnabas, upon getting there, seeing what God was doing, he calls them to him. And and he says, listen, I want to challenge you to be purposeful in your decisions for Christ. Man, you you live in a culture that's not very godly. This city uh, is a city where they worship idols and and God's not the central figure. But, you know, y'all just, listen, be purposeful, be firm, stand strong in your decisions for Jesus Christ. Barnabas said, this isn't all that there is. Keep moving forward. There's more uh, people in the city of Antioch that need to have the gospel. And can I say an encourager in your life and in my life is one that's going to challenge us in every area of our life. One, listen, don't be angry with the person that challenges you in your walk with God. Don't be mad uh, with the uh, pastor or the preacher that comes and says, hey, we need to spend more time in God's word. We need to spend more time in prayer. We need to spend more time loving one another and, and encouraging one another and exhorting one another and forgiving one another. Don't get to a point where, oh, that's old news. No, challenge yourself in these areas. Challenge yourself and, 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 and take that challenge from someone that is encouraging you. Uh, receive that with joy and say, listen, this person just wants to help me. He just wants me to get to another level in my life to, to do something better. Uh, uh, Paul did this uh, uh, quite a few times. Look, look in Galatians. I think it's in your notes. In Galatians 5, in verse 13 and 14, Paul writes to the Christians there and he says, For brethren, you have not been called unto liberty, only, or you have been called unto liberty, only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What was Paul telling the Christians there at Galatia? He was just trying to encourage them. He said, God's given you freedom, but use that freedom to love one another and to, and to do more for God. That's what an encourager do, does. An encourager will look to challenge the status quo. Barnabas was a man that went to where the need was at. He rejoiced with the successes that they were having, but then he exhorted, he challenged them to do even more for God. The work of an encourager is something that we need even today. We need those that will encourage us to do more that will come in our time of need and just come to give us a word of encouragement. We need those to rejoice with us in our victories. Someone that will just be there for us. That's the work of an encourager. And if this morning you're going to be an encourager, you must understand that it requires you to go and see the needs around you. I wonder how many, even this morning, have looked around to see what are the needs in my life? But what are the needs in others as well? What is it that I can be an encouragement to someone in my Sunday school class or in the church, in the congregation, or in my neighborhood, or in my family? See, an encourager looks for the needs to go to it. He looks to see what can I rejoice with someone about. You'll notice that he challenges the status quo. But not only are we to do the work of an encourager, but we are to have the character of an encourager. Why was Barnabas able to do this? Why did the people that he had never met before in a city that was full of Gentiles, why was he able to have an influence over them? Why was he able to encourage them? Well, I believe that verse 24 tells us why. 
You see, in verse number 24, it says this. It says, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. You see, Barnabas not only talked the talk, he walked the walk. To be an encourager, we cannot only focus on the lives of others, but we must focus on our life as well. Notice that Barnabas there in your notes, the Bible says he has a testimony. He has a testimony. The Bible says he was a good man. That means the word good there means he was a man of moral character. A man of moral character. You see, Barnabas could encourage others because he had maintained a right walk himself. Sometimes this is something that we're losing in, in our churches today. This thing of testimony. We have this idea, well, God looks on the heart, that's all that matters. Yes, God does look on the heart, but you know, the Bible also says that man looketh on the outward. And that's why Jesus challenged his disciples. He said that we ought to be a light so that others might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Why would Jesus challenge us to do that if the outward in our testimony doesn't matter? You see, the fact of the matter is how we live matters. The testimony that we give matters. It matters in, in, the, in the truth of, of that reality that are people going to come to Jesus Christ because of our testimony? Absolutely. Will they hear the truth of the gospel if they see it in you? Absolutely. And the lack of it can be very costly. In the Old Testament, you read about a man named Lot who lived in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. A man that completely lost his testimony. And at the end of his life, he found that he lost his wife, he lost his riches, he lost everything, and even lost his two daughters that survived him. Why does that happen? Because of a wrong testimony. If you're going to be an encourager, you must be a man that, or woman that has a testimony with God. It says of Enoch, Enoch walked with God. It says of Abraham, the Bible says that he was a friend of God. It says of Moses and of Samuel that they were men of God. I'm simply saying this morning, if you're going to be an encourager, you're going to have to have a character of an encourager. That character starts with our testimony. But not only is our testimony important, and by the way, even Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians 9.27. He says, I keep my body under subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You know, Paul was scared of that, of losing his testimony. I wonder where Paul got that idea from. Probably from his friend Barnabas, who the Bible says was a good man. A man of godly character. A man with a testimony. You see, if we're going to be an encourager, we have to have the character of an encourager. That is someone that has a right testimony. Number two, someone that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost. Now, to understand what that phrase means, you have to go to Ephesians 4. And that's there in your, in your, bio, in your notes. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5, not 4. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. It says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then he says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul makes a picture for us, and he says, You know, when someone is drunk, we call that even in today's law, we say they are under the influence, right? 
That alcohol begins to control their mind and their actions. And uh, when someone is, is drunk, they begin to do things that they would not do otherwise in their right mind. Sometimes they get to a place where they become very abusive in their language and in their behavior. Because that alcohol is controlling what they're thinking and doing. So Paul says, just like wine has that effect in someone's life that is drunk, he said the, uh, the, the same thing should be true in the Christian's life where the Spirit has that control on our mind and in what we do. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled or controlled with the Holy Spirit. We find that in Barnabas' life, he was a man that was controlled by the Holy Spirit. You see, as we encourage others, we must be Spirit-filled in our lives. God must control the areas of our life in every aspect, how we think, what we say, what we do. Paul was a man that was controlled by the Holy Spirit in his life. He was sensitive to do what the Holy Spirit was asking him to do. At the college where I went to, uh, the, uh, the, the president of the college would often say to us, uh, obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. In other words, let the Spirit control your life. There'll be times when you're watching something on television and the Holy Spirit will tell you, you know what, you need to change the channel. There'll be times when you're listening to something where the Holy Spirit will say, you need to turn that off. A Spirit-controlled person listens to that Spirit of God speaking to them and obeys. I didn't write that in your notes, but Ephesians 5, if you continue reading there, you'll find that it says being submissive to the Spirit of God in obedience. I believe it's verse 25 of Ephesians 5. You'll find there that being controlled is being submissive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Then I want you to notice that the character of Barnabas was not just one that was Spirit-filled, controlled by the Spirit, we also find that he was confident in God's promises. He was a man of faith, the Bible says. He was a good man. He had a good testimony. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was controlled by the Holy Spirit, but then he was also confident in God's promises. He was a man of faith. You know, the, the word faith is used many times in the Bible. Sometimes it speaks of a set of beliefs. I left it in your notes, Galatians 1.23, but they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past, which was Paul, now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. Paul was there speaking about faith in general, a set of beliefs, what we know as our faith in Jesus Christ. But here, Luke is not using it in that way. Faith sometimes is used in a different way about our faithfulness. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 12, it says, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. It's not saying that they cast off their belief in Jesus. They cast off following and being faithful. That's where the word faith is talking about there in 1 Timothy. But here in Acts 11, it's not talking about being faithful and, and doing, uh, following after God and our faith. And it's, talking, it's not talking about our set of beliefs and what the Bible says. But what he's talking about here when it says that he was a man of faith, it's talking about the fact that he was confident in what God had said. That word faith can also be translated as having assurance in. Barnabas was one that was confident in what God had said. Can I say as an encourager, 
We need to be confident about what God has promised in his word, what God has established. We, we don't need to be artificially creating God's work, and sometimes we do that, right? Uh, we're, we're teaching our kids, you know, to, hey, you got to trust God, but, you know, if he, if, if he doesn't come through for, for him, I, I, I'll help him out. I'll, I'll do it. And sometimes you can do that in the Christian life, and, and the problem is that when we do that, then those that we're trying to encourage never learn to trust God the way we trust God. You, you see this many times in second-generation Christians, Christians that their parents were saved and, and you got to grow up in a Christian home. And sometimes the children in that Christian home don't ever learn to have faith in God the way that their parents did. And the reason comes to this is that they never learned themselves to believe in the promises and being confident themselves in the promises of God. An encourager helps others to just be confident that God's going to provide for them, not me. I'm not the one responsible to make sure that you get what you need in your life. God will do that. An encourager just reminds others of the promises of God. That God is always true. God is always there. I love that's what That's what Paul told Timothy there in your notes, 2 Timothy 1.12. He said, for the which cause I also suffer these things. He said, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Where did Paul learn that? Did he just wake up and say, oh, now I know who, I've, uh, who I believe in? No, I believe that Paul, during that time of being with Barnabas, Paul began to notice in Barnabas' life that Barnabas' faith was all about trusting that God would do what he said he would do. And it got to a point in Paul's life where he says, listen, I, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able. I'm not going to be living off of everyone else's faith. I'm going to live on the faith that God has given me. Say, an encourager has to have this kind of character if you're going to encourage others. An encourager, it's amazing, usually has stories about what God has done in their life to encourage someone else. Usually an encourager can tell you, man, there was a time in my life where I was going through something, but, but God helped me. God provided for us. And God will do the same thing for you. Why? Because the encourager is looking at what God has done in his life. If you're going to be an encourager, you've got to do the work of an encourager, but you have to have the character of an encourager as well. I want you to notice lastly this morning, you have to enjoy the rewards of an encourager. You'll notice that at the end of verse 24, it says, And much people was added unto the Lord. You see, when we do what God has commanded us to do, right? That's the work of an encourager. And when we are what God has enabled us to be, that's the character of an encourager, then suddenly you can start reaping the rewards that God has for you as an encourager. You can reap the rewards. Notice Barnabas as an encourager, one of the rewards he reaped was this. He saw growth in that church at Antioch. God began to bring growth because of that encouragement. Let me just say that this church, if it's going to grow, if it's going to do something for God, it's going to need you and me to be an encourager. God uses that encouragement to begin to bring growth in, the, in the, uh, the life of a church. The Bible says a church is a living organism. It's not something that's just formulaic, and sometimes we want to make it that way. Just if you follow this formula, then this is what should happen. Well, as an, 
as a, as a parent of, of someone that is a, a whole other human being alive, you know that you can't just do the same thing with all of them, with all of your children. You know they're a, a life of their own. And sometimes the way you talk to this child might not be the way you talk to this child. And what you do with this one might not be what you do with that one. Because it's not really a formula. It's a, it's a living organism. It's a, it's a human being that has his own will, mind, and emotions. So because of that, you ask the Lord, help me to know what to say and how to help. You know, one that is an encourager sees the church as that living organism and says, listen, I can't just do this and suddenly growth is going to happen. But God will bring the growth if I can live the life of an encourager. You see, encouragers see growth happen as a result of their work. Here in Antioch, the, the church was growing. There was much, many added unto the church by the Lord because of the encouragement that Barnabas brought. You know, Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Man, there's, there's, there's great encouragement to be had in that. But not only does an encourager see growth in the church, but an encourager will see growth in the life of Christians. You see, when you read verse 25 and verse 26, you find that Barnabas, once again, doing the work of an encourager, goes to seek out. Because that's what an encourager do, does. That's his work. He goes and seeks out. And he seeks this man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, this man that used to persecute and kill Christians. But he heard that God had converted him, that this man was changed now, and Barnabas goes to seek him out. And in that time, Barnabas brings him back to Antioch, and they both begin to grow. You know, as an encourager, it's one of the greatest joys to reap the reward of someone that's growing in their Christian life. Man, there's, there's, there's no greater joy than that. In fact, John said, I think it's in 3 John verse 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Man, there's just something about seeing someone grow in their spiritual life, man, that you can't help but just be glad for them. There's just something about doing the work of an encourager that is, it brings joy that just passeth all understanding. We find that Barnabas, as a result of being an encourager, was one that saw growth in churches as a whole, but he saw growth in Christians individually. Those that seek to be encouragers also experience the joy that comes with seeing others grow in their personal walk with Christ. Now this morning, Barnabas left us a great example of what it means to encourage. And I say it's not something that you have to be born with. It's not some personality trait that you either have or don't have. No, being an encourager is something that God has enabled all of us to do. You can be an encourager. How can I do that? Well, you've got to do the work of an encourager. You've got to be sure to see the needs around you and go and be a help. You've got to be ready and willing and able to rejoice with others as God works in their life and brings success to their life. You've got to do that, that work of challenging them to do more for God and to stay close to God as Paul did. I mean, as Barnabas did. But then you also have to have that character. That character that says, I've got to have a right kind of testimony in my life. You know, being a good man. 
I got to have the control of the Holy Spirit in my life if I'm going to be able to encourage others. But I also have to be a person of faith. I got to believe that what God said He would do, He's going to do. And if you can live that life of an encourager, then man, the rewards are, are awesome. Can I say this this morning? As a church, we are where we're at because of encouragers in our church. Because someone decided, instead of saying, well, I don't have that ability, instead of saying uh, some excuse for not being able to obey what God has called us to do, they said, I just want to be an encourager. And because of that, we've seen growth. But more importantly, we've seen the growth of our faith individually. Because someone invested in us and took the time to begin to see and teach us how God can grow our character. Man, the, the rewards of being an encourager this morning are unbelievably awesome. But the question is, will you decide to be an encourager this week? I guarantee you there's somebody in your family that needs to be encouraged today. When you go to school tomorrow or you go to work tomorrow, there's someone there that needs an encouragement. They need to hear from you words of encouragement. And it's so important that you and I decide, even today, God, if I can be, because you've enabled me, I will be an encourager. This morning, let's decide to encourage others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your enablement in this area of of being an encouragement to others. Oh, Father, how important it is that we begin to reflect on the truth and the reality that encouraging others is not a matter of personality, but rather of choice and decision. And Father, there's so much work to be done as an encourager. There's work to be done in the lives of others, but so much work to be done in our own lives, as we allow your spirit to work on us so that we might work in others. Oh, Father, we need you more today. If we're going to see any kind of difference in the lives of others or even in the life of our church or in the life of ourselves, oh, how we're going to need to be encouraged and to encourage others. So I pray that this morning we would do just that. As the piano just plays one stanza of one song, really quick this morning, perhaps you're here and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, will you pray for me? I, I want to be an encourager this week. As I think about those that have encouraged me, I, I am encouraged to be an encouragement to others. And if you would just pray for me, I want to do that this week in my family, at work, in my school. Just pray for me. Is there anyone like that would raise their hand? I just... I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see that. I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. Father, this morning, many of us have raised our hands saying, Father, if by your spirit you'll fill us, we want to be an encouragement and help us to encourage others as we go throughout this week. Father, help us to meditate upon what we've learned to follow the example that was given to us even by the life of Barnabas, by the life of Christ, to encourage others. By your power, 
by your might, Father, we want to see the rewards that come through being an encouragement. Work in our hearts and in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.